Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A in Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship.
New Testament lesson for this Sunday is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. No one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God, just as Aaron was. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand. according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. Mark tells us they were on their way to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. And the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit upon him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John, and Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. 
God's grace and mercy and peace be yours today in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text for the message comes from our first reading from Hebrews. Let's pray. Dearest Jesus, we come before you today in humbleness, knowing that you humbled yourself to be one of us. Thank you for your salvation and love shown in your divinity and your humanity. And as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our maker and our redeemer. Amen. We heard today, in his life on earth, Jesus made his prayers and requests with loud cries and tears to God, who could save him from death. Because he was humbled and devoted, God heard him. Even though he was God's son, he learned through his sufferings to be obedient. That's our text. While on my vicarage in Columbus, Nebraska, I started counting it up now about 27 years ago now, there was an incident that really rocked that town of 18,000. It seems that there is a young, young man, who, a nice young man, who had a great conversation with a relative who was a member of the church where I was serving. But it wasn't long after that conversation that he took a shotgun, killed his wife and kids, called the police, confessed, and then turned the gun on himself. As you can imagine, there is a shock that worked its way through the small community, and they're full of unanswered questions. Why did he do it? Was something wrong with the the marriage? Was there something wrong at work? Was there a debt that he had uh, incurred? Was there some kind of sense of failure? Was there some kind of uh, a mental illness, of a depression that, that no one knew about? It seemed that he loved his wife and kids, so, so what drove him to those extreme actions? Everyone's trying to get inside the mind of this young man and figure out what drove him to this. Everybody was guessing, but in the end, no one would really know why. And that's really a mystery to this day. Have you ever been confused and troubled by the behavior of another person? and found it difficult to understand what's really going on in his or her life? I mean, I guess that happens because we're all different, aren't we? And no two people have had the same experiences. It's our genetic makeup, our upbringing, the culture that we live in, our understanding of things spiritual, the confidence that we have in our abilities, our friendships, our, the differences in us to tolerate conflict, or, or stress, or worry, or, or pain all end up making us unique individuals. That's why it's sometimes difficult to understand why people behave in certain ways. Just one example here. Can we who live in comfortable homes and an overabundance of food ever really know what it's like to live in poverty? No decent water, no electricity, uh, food maybe once a day, uh, sheets of 10 for a house. Very little little medical attention, uh, medical help, or no cash in your pocket, no idea what tomorrow will bring. Can we really know what other people are going through? Well, then we have sort of the next logical question, don't we? Can we ask that of God? 
how much does Jesus appreciate and understand you and me and everything that's happening in our lives? Why do I ask the question? Well, the scripture tells us that Jesus is God, that he was there at the creation of the world and now is ascended at the right hand of God, the Father, where he rules with authority and power. Paul wrote in Ephesians 1, Christ rules above all the heavenly rulers, authorities, powers, and lords. He has a title superior to all titles of authority in this world and in the next. God put all things under Christ's feet and gave him the church as supreme Lord over all things. You know, so since Jesus is so godly, totally different to you and me, how well can he appreciate the things that are happening in our lives right now? Has he ever had a sick day? Has he ever had to grapple with depression or terminal illness or live in a dysfunctional family? Is he truly human? Is he one of us? Did he find some things easy, some things hard? Did he, did he, was he pulled this way and that way in life? Does he know what it's like to lie in a hospital bed? Does he know what it's like to be 70 or 80 with an aging body? Does he know about the stress that's involved when we go through the various stages of life, uh, through getting married and raising kids, uh, dealing with teenagers, uh, changing jobs? planning for retirement, and then that right moment where we need to choose to go into a nursing home? Did he have to painstakingly grow and develop bit by bit as we do? Or was that personality, that character, that ability to cope and endure uh, his patience and understanding and compassion, was that all perfect from the very moment that he was born because he's God? So it follows then, if he is so perfect, how can he understand what it's like to be not so perfect? The question is almost as old as Christianity itself. Is Jesus really human, or is he just God in human disguise? See, the answer that we give is crucial. Among the things we Christians believe is that through the life and death of Jesus, the God becomes part of what it means to be human. He didn't stand apart away from everything that's happening in our lives, that he came right into the midst of everything, into the middle of our temptations, into the middle of our suffering, our sadness, our depression, our sin, our rebellion, our death. That is really important to remember. In Jesus, God became part of everything that's part of living in life in this world. That means because of Jesus, God can identify with you and me actually cares for us as one who personally knows us from the inside out. He knows what's happening inside us because of the, and the causes of trauma and drama in our lives better than we know ourselves. He knows all this because he's lived here among it all and experienced it all himself. We say that through Jesus, God knows what it is like to be hungry, to have plenty, to toil, and to sweat. God knows the frustration of learning discipline and skills that maybe don't come naturally. He comprehends what it's like to sleep peacefully or toss sleeplessly, to relax, to enjoy a good joke. Through Jesus, God has experienced sore muscles and headaches and pain. He knows what it's like to be warmed by a smile and to be shunned or snubbed by indifference. God understands what it's like to enjoy a new friendship and treasure an old one, to uh, feel affirmed or betrayed, to suffer for truth, to be misunderstood, to make enemies, to suffer emotional and physical agony, and to feel forsaken. Yes, forsaken. 
forsaken by everyone, even God himself. He knows what it's like to die because he suffered and died on the cross. If we can possibly wrap our heads around that, our minds. This letter to the Hebrews is one of the more challenging books of the New Testament, but, but one thing that it does, it presents Jesus as God, but at the same time, one of us. He prayed and begged God to save him from the suffering and pain and death, just as we would. But he obediently went the way of the cross because he trusted in the love of his Father. Through that obedience, uh, the writer tells us he gained forgiveness for all of us who buckle under the weight of temptation and suffering. For all of us who doubt God's love, for all, especially when life gets really tough. So I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad that Jesus had grown into, uh, to grow in understanding and wisdom and in the hard school of life like we do. I'm glad that Jesus had to learn about obedience and suffering like you and me. I'm glad he had to learn about life and experience life the same way we do. Because it's good to know that Jesus suffered pain, verbal and physical abuse, rejection by those who were close to him, and, but also by those that were in positions of authority over him. He had hurt feelings and disappointment and sadness and frustration, anger and confusion, the fear of dying in the same ways we do. Helps me to know that. Jesus dislikes suffering and pain and death just like me. And I'm glad that we can learn from Jesus that there can be something gained by obediently enduring the things that are difficult to endure. I like all this about Jesus because it means that he knows what it is like when I'm going through any of those things. So we can conclude that, that Jesus experienced life just like we do with, a, with all of our ups and all of our downs. And you might be thinking, Okay, Pastor, yeah, Jesus is human like us. But he was different in an important way. He didn't sin, so he didn't know what it is like to feel the shame of sin. Because if he was without sin, how can he know what it is like to be like us? Good point. But let me point you to Isaiah the prophet. He says about this Messiah, the Savior, he was numbered with the transgressors. Well, that means more than, than the fact that a totally innocent man was accused and condemned for blasphemy uh, by the highest authority in the land, treated like scum by the soldiers who mocked him and whipped him, then by God's own chosen people stirred up that call to crucify him and set free the criminal Barabbas. That phrase, he was numbered with the transgressors, means more. It also refers to that, the guilt of that sin that was thrust upon Jesus from every direction that he was carrying all of that sin, the sin of all humanity. Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and, and, and like we've been saying in our midweeks, that by his wounds we are healed. Jesus knew sin. He knew what it can do, and he knew the awful consequences as he carried the weight of that sin and guilt and shame of the whole world on his shoulders and died a sinner's death. That's your sin, and that's mine. And such was the shame of the sin that Jesus carried for you and me, that he tearfully cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In every way, Jesus is one of us. He knows our temptations and how we fall into the trap, right? That's set for us and 
grabbed by the unrelenting claws of seduction and guilt and shame. He knows that when our hearts are heavy and our heads are... Ooh, sorry about that. Thought I shaved this morning. Okay. Uh, he knows that when our hearts are heavy uh, and our heads are bowed low in shame uh, because we have let our desires or the world around us lure us away from God's ways. He understands that prayer that we pray in utter despair. God, I've fallen again. I've given in again, God. I can't, why can't I stop myself? I know what I ought to do, God, but I can't seem to get it right. He hears us when we, like Jesus, make our prayers and requests with loud cries and tears to God. And like King David, he cried out, be merciful to me, O God. Because of your great mercy, wipe out my sin. I've sinned against you, God, and, and, and only against you, and done what is evil in your sight. Remove my sin, and I'll be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow, God. My friends, we are just a week now from Palm Sunday and Holy Week, where we will once again walk with Jesus on the path to the cross, the path he took for our sake, because of our sin. We will come to Good Friday once again. We will be reminded of why there had to be a Good Friday in the first place. As we remember his obedience as he goes to the cross, let us respond with that prayer on our lips like King David. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. May God bless us as we walk with our Savior. Amen. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Dear friends, let us confess our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed we confess together. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.